listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Paw Vogue with Cuba, America's Top Dog. I'm your host, Bob Shaughnessy, and Cuba's sitting here along with me. We have a very special celebrity guest today, and Cuba and I are very fortunate to know him personally. He only lives about a block away from us, sometimes. We'll talk about that later. But Justin Silver is our guest. Justin was Cuba's first trainer right out of puppy school. And as I said, he lives very close to us. Um, we see him very often. Actually, I saw you yesterday, Justin, but you were on the phone, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be less on the phone so much, but I'm trying to attend to as many clients throughout the day as possible. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Okay, we're going to quickly take a break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Justin Silver. It's time for a walk down Fifth Avenue, of course. We'll be right back after we do a little shopping. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to the Paw Talk Show. Many of you know our guest today as he was a star of the CBS show Dogs in the City, which was on last year. He is also very well known in another profession, which we'll talk about later on in the show. But again, thanks for joining us today, Justin. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to talk to you on the phone as opposed to being on the phone when we're just passing by and trying to talk on the street. I know. I don't think I ever, either you have a dog in session or you're on the phone. Right. Every time I see you. And I'm, and I'm always talking about the same thing. So I'm either <laughs> telling great. somebody what to do in front of me or telling somebody what to do on the phone. That's the majority <laughs> of those phone calls, to be honest with you. Because the way I do it is interesting. It's like I don't, I do things, they're formal, but they're not formal the way I think most trainers work in that. The way I do things is I, I don't lock people into packages and say, okay, well, and, and have them come to a specific place where we do our training. Everything is done sort of very organically. And I like to have the, the sessions and, and how many sessions we do unfold based on how the owner and the dog are doing, just going at their own rate. And I like to give as much stuff. I try not to, I'm not like a money hoarder, so it's not like you need to see me as much as possible. I like people to work things out on their own and figure things out on their own after I give them some basic instruction and then have them call me and walk them through sticking points. And then when they feel like, you know what, we need another session so that we can get to the next step, then we do it like that. So a lot of the times I'm on the phone just talking clients through little sticking points or doing Skype sessions with them to see if I can really get, you know, to have them strengthen their own muscles, you know? I was surprised you did Skype sessions, but first let's tell um, our listeners the name of your company, which is The Language of Dogs. 
the language of dogs, and they and can find that at uh, thelanguageofdogs.com. Or they can click on the photo right on the website. If everyone who is at a computer, of course, if you're in your car driving right now listening to iTunes, you're not going to be able to do this. But once you get home, go to pawtalkshow.com episode 24 and you'll see the photos we're discussing today you'll also see some of the videos that he's in and you can click right through and follow him on twitter facebook etc but first as i said we're going to talk about your company when did you start the company unofficially like seven years ago and then it actually became official about three and a half years ago but you know i've been doing this for about I've been doing this for about 10 10 years. You know, so it's sort of the company started just very organically in which I was working with a lot of rescue dogs and kind of became known in the neighborhood as the guy who had a steady rotation of, you know, rescue dogs that would come in and out of his house and then started helping, you know, people in the neighborhood with their dogs and then working with a lot of the local vets. And then sort of out of necessity, I, uh, I had to get the company and make it official. And that happened about three years ago after I've been just doing it, doing it for about seven years prior. Right, that's how we met. I saw you with, I saw you training another dog, and you were on right in front of my building. <laughs> right, that's how that's you know that's how you know sort of word of mouth is, is the majority of the way I, I did things in the beginning, and I always kind of liked it that way. I like your quote: "The language of dogs." Well, first of all, the language of dogs is a full service dog care company. You, you do other than just training. Yeah, um, we started. You know, I started mostly just like fostering dogs in my own house, and then walking people's dogs and doing overnights with people. And then the training would just always come as, uh, the training sort of came afterwards just because I was around so many dogs so often that it just, it sort of came like a second nature on how to train them. And then I added the training services and that's really what I started to excel at. So my company is me, my business partner, his wife, and then a few really, really trustworthy caretakers that tend to the walking and do a lot of overnights and we do in people's homes or we do in our own homes, but we like to keep it nice and small and just work with, you know, people that we really trust and know that we can trust in people's houses and trust with their four-legged baby. So it's, it's a little bit of a mom-and-pop shop and we like to keep it that way. Except now you are traveling, it seems like, around the country. I know you've been to L.A. a lot. Tell us about that. Well, the fortunate thing, I've always loved the West Coast and, you know, because my show is producing here and there, I got a lot, I got the opportunity to take a lot of trips out there and it's, you know, immediately word spread just from my friends that I was out there and their friends needed help with their dogs and I sort of spread the company a little bit on the West Coast where we do similar stuff. I do a lot of training there. We do overnight. We do a little bit of dog walking out there. And then um, whenever I travel somewhere in the middle of the country, I just tend to do the same thing, but mostly with training. So the company is a little bit more of a mirror image on the West Coast and then throughout the rest of the country. We do all these training trips that are either based on requests or if we're just going to be in, in one city for a little while, we'll reach out to the local people in that city and do training sessions there. So it's nice. That's and great. people can yeah. request those online. We get requests from, from all over the country. We get requests from all over the world now because they show the show all over the world, but I don't think I'm going <laughs> to get on a plane and fly to Thailand to train a dog tomorrow. And I like your uh, your company logo or byline, the, the language of dogs, obedient owners and happy dogs. <laughs> That's right. That's Perfect. Right. <laughs> Which is harder, yeah. the owners to train? You know what? I, this is in all honesty, the learning curve for the dog is always quicker than the learning curve for the owner. And, you know, that tagline is meant to be so tongue in cheek, but the all seriousness of it is like people are starting to catch on. They're like, oh, I know all my dog's problems are a result of me or my dog's, you know, and then they tend to think that the whole idea that dogs are smarter than people, which is not true. But what you're really doing is someone who kind of knows how to speak dog, which is what, you know, a lot of people have a very high dog IQ and I think I have a pretty high dog IQ. They know how to communicate with the animal so well that it's very easy to explain to the animal what you want it to do. And then the majority of what your session is is teaching the owner 
how to speak their language so the owner could then teach the dog. It's so easy for a dog trainer to teach a dog, but then you're not doing anything. Then you constantly have to come back and be the person that that owner relies on. You want to teach the person how to learn to speak that language so they can go ahead and make decisions for themselves and teach their dog. So when I work with animals, the learning curve for the dog is always very quick for me because I kind of know exactly what I want the dog to do and I know how to explain it. And then the rest of the time is really spent on teaching the owner to learn how to communicate with that animal properly through eye contact, through hand signals, through reward-based, uh, through different uh, value systems and reward bases and things like that. So, you know. I know. I, every time I – because I've been to a lot of training classes, and, I mean, I learned right away that training classes are for me, not for Cuba. He's so well-adjusted, that dog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you, Bob, as well as I know him, but I know he's well-adjusted. Uh, I guess I can't say what I, just, I want to I say just right started, now. I just started training a Havanese that can literally fit in the palm of my hand yesterday, and I thought of him. I was like, oh, another Havanese. He was that small? Oh, it's like a tiny baby. She was like two weeks old. Oh, no wonder. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, of course, it's still with its mother, but, I, you know, I stepped in right away. They, they had a litter, and I started working with the puppy, so very cute. Oh, great. I did want to ask you about training methods because, you know, you have some people who are very firm believers in the Caesar Milano dominance theory. You have others who are strictly yeah. positive reinforcement training. But you seem to right. do a little bit of everything. Is that yeah. right? Let me first, like, poke a hole on something. It's so funny. What people have termed positive reinforcement is not what positive reinforcement means in the scientific explanation of it. And I actually explained this in my book, which is coming out. We'll talk about it, I guess. But with positive reinforcement is just adding a stimulus. So what people have termed it to mean is that positive meaning nice, and then reinforcement is the way you're going to teach the dog. But that's not the technical word of what it means. I mean, the technical definition, the technical definition is that you're just adding stimulus. So if someone were to shock a dog, it's almost like that, you know, you're giving it a positive reinforcement, meaning you're adding stimulus as opposed to, you know, taking something away when it doesn't do what you want. Those are the literal definitions of that term, which has really changed a lot in the past few years, and it has come to mean positive in terms of giving dogs nice things in order to encourage them, which, so let me just clarify that first of all. But I do do the new version, the new definition of positive reinforcement, meaning that you're constantly encouraging dogs to perform for you because they are motivated by things that they enjoy, like treats or affection, and that's the way you're going to shape their behaviors. And then dominance theory, I don't, I don't really do any dominance theory, but aversions kind of do come into all forms of, uh, into the way I do training based on what dog I'm working on. Because I think that the real disservice is that when somebody is just has a very myopic way of thinking and they say, you know, this is the way to train dogs and this is the way to train all dogs, but that kind of does dogs a disservice that don't really learn in that way. And so what I've always learned is, and I've worked with plenty of other trainers who have all different types of theories and I like to try to keep an open mind and get my ego out of it as much as possible and learn from them because I'm like, all right, the more tricks you have in your bag, the more you can apply them to dogs that need those specific things. So there really isn't a one-size-fits-all method of training. And, you know, you go on the Internet today and you look at different training styles, you know, you'll look at someone giving a tip and then the majority of the posts underneath there are just people arguing about why that doesn't work or why that does work. And, those are, and their studies are all based on what's in front of them. And they right. never say, well, that doesn't work for my dog in this specific incident. They say, that doesn't work. And then they're very quick to slam the person who does that other method. So I think that it's really important to be able to assess a dog and see what that dog needs and try a variety of different methods. And if, you know, just a word on the sort of dominance theory, I think that people are, if, if the dog is not responding to something like a simple correction that isn't too harsh, then you have to go a different direction. The idea that you're going to beat a dog into submission and go harder and harder and harder like that is almost the equivalent to if the dog is not food motivated to do something to literally stuffing treats down its throat. So if the dog is not responding to 
sort of low level, very moderate levels of positive reinforcement or aversion that it's time to switch that method up. And, you know, otherwise you throw your hands up and you're like, well, this dog is untrainable. And on both ends of the spectrum, I've seen dogs that will put down unnecessarily just because, you know, a certain technique didn't work. And I, I think that, you know, I get a lot of flack on the internet or from whatever when people see that I do a certain thing. And, you know, my answer to them is always the same. It's like, listen, in this moment at this time, this is what I thought was best for this dog. And this is what worked or this is what didn't work. And, you know, you right. really have to go by your touch and your, by your instincts and sort of shut everything out and just really focus on what you think that animal needs at that time. I think that, you know, and without tweeting my horn, I think that if there's one thing that I really pride myself on, it's in my ability to sort of read what that animal needs and be able to deliver it as quickly as possible because you want to get these things done fairly quickly. You know, you don't want people in like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of training sessions for an aggression problem. You want to see if you can sort of nip it in the bud as soon as possible and can get that get that, get that over with, you know? And you do have that gift of talking dog. I mean, I've seen you, how dogs respond to you immediately. I mean, it's amazing. They just look at you and you're having a conversation just by looking at them. I can see it in their eyes. Yeah, well, the eye contact is so important and and not to be confused with staring a dog down. You know, there's this misconception that don't look a dog in the eyes, it's going to attack you. It's like, well, you can see when you look a dog in the eyes, it'll either look at you or it'll avert his eyes. The idea isn't to, like, get into a staring contest, but dogs are domesticated and dogs are to take cues from our eyes. And they do lots of pets with people where they'll do actually, our actually saw one of these in a documentary on Discovery recently where they had a human having a bowl, uh, treats under one bowl. And then um, nothing under another bowl, and they had it in a way that the dog couldn't smell it, and they would, the owner would just sort of not move the person's head and then look in a certain direction, and the dog would look at the owner's eyes and then go to the proper one. So they're actually domesticated to take food from our eyes. So it's so important to just sort of understand the way they use eye contact and how to communicate with them visually. That's great. We need to take yeah. a commercial break before we continue, but we have a lot more with Justin, so please stay with us. It's time for a walk down Fifth Avenue, of course. We'll be right back after we do a little shopping. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful, bagless, upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to the second half of our show, and with us still is Justin Silver. And many of you may not know that Justin has had has a second career, which I don't know, which one's longer, Justin? They're equal. They're equal. So his second career has been at nighttime, and he is a stand-up comic. And I yep. was very surprised when I learned this, because you seem so serious all the time. Yeah, I know. They really uh, <laughs> they really tend to edit out all the, all the shit that I do on those shows, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I've been doing comedy for about ten years, and I was. You know, one of the reasons I started working with dogs is you get off stage off this unbelievable high, and then you come home at night and you kind of crash a little bit. And I was feeling a little bit lonely, and you know, it was those depressing animal commercials are on, and they just stuck a knife through my heart. So next thing I know, there's all these rescue dogs living in my house, and those two things have galloped side by side. And actually, seven years ago, I started a charity called Funny for Fido, which is like comic relief for animals. And myself and Colin Quinn and David Pell and Gina Friedlander and all these big comics come out, Amy Schumer, and we do these big stand-up comedy benefits, and all the money goes to uh, the rescue shelters, which is actually coming up. On November 12th in New York City. And if you're interested, you can go to funnyforfighter.org to get tickets for that. But or yeah, click comedy on <laughs> and animals have always been my two passions. Yes, actually, we went to the show last year. The show is great. I recommend it to everyone. And I already have my tickets for this year. I got to do new jokes, I mean. <laughs> I can't repeat. Yes, but it really is. I mean, we couldn't stop laughing. I mean, what's better than comedy and dogs? I mean, you know. It's cool, right? It's yeah. cool. I, I think it's cool because it's like, you know, there's a lot of heartfelt stories there. I stole the comic relief model, you know, that Whoopi Goldberg and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal do with homeless people. And I remember my mom used to take me to that when I was a kid and I loved it. And there was, you know, there's very heartfelt stories and then they break it up with the humor and we sort of followed that model because, you know, we have videos in the beginning that very heartfelt that show abused animals and then shows the before and afters of how those animals are doing now. And then we have, we bring the, the shelters up and show the dogs that they've adopted and some of them come from sad stories and then we have adoption festivals that go on there and then the comics come up and just sort of kill it and a lot of the humor is just very you know some of it's raunchy it's definitely rated r it's at caroline's on broadway and so anyone who's going to be in new york city on november 12th be sure to get your tickets and right on the web page we have the you can click on funny for fido and buy your tickets those tickets sell so quick man i can't believe how quickly they sell every year i get nervous that we're not going to be able to sell them out it's like they go quicker and quicker well, I actually got the exact same two seats I had last year, so I was happy. Good. Anyway, <laughs> you also, as I, you know, you're most well known, I guess, because of the CBS show, Dogs in the City. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Did you audition for that, or did they contact you, or? No, they got. I sort of, you know, I was getting a little frustrated with just performing in general, just because uh, it's such a grind, and I was focusing a lot of energy just on working with the dogs. And I got uh, one of my clients told me that they were looking to meet dog care professionals for a TV show they were thinking of shooting and I was really reticent to go in the first place. I was like, you know what? I've kind of had it with performing right now. I really just want to do my dog thing and I, I went kind of with a bad attitude up to meet this woman on the Upper West Side and she told me she had this deal with CBS and they were looking to produce something and send cameras out to just work with different dog care professionals and She's like, you know, what can we shoot on you? I said, you know, you can really just follow me. You can follow me to work if you guys want for a day. And they came with me while I have, you know, all the dogs down on the West Side Highway. And I was training a bunch of them off leash. And, you know, I had about 15 dogs with me and just me. And they all listened really well. And I think they were impressed by that. And, 
you know, the on-camera stuff was never was never really daunting to me or anything. I needed much direction. And just from doing stand-up for such a long time, I felt very comfortable, which I'm sure made them very comfortable. And uh, they didn't really have a firm concept of what they were doing. And the more and more we worked together, the more and more they sort of said, you know, why don't we just create the show around what you're already doing? Because it seems like a full, interesting thing. And I really fell in love with the people that I was working with on that show. And we got into a wonderful sink. And it was an incredible grind. It was 47 days nonstop without a break and they were premiering while they were airing which is like a first for them and they had never done a show like that on national network at that on that prime time spot so it was everyone was sort of a, a fish out of water but incredibly incredible professionals people were just masters of their craft and uh it was a ringer and i don't know if i would do it again if it was at that pace but you know it worked <laughs> out well it didn't work out perfectly and as a perfectionist of you know my own craft there's a lot of things that i would have liked to see done different but they're at the end of the day i just feel like they everyone just did an incredible job and it was an experience like really like no other it was a great job i mean i watched every episode and everyone i know watched every episode and i was shocked it wasn't renewed you're so supportive <laughs> <laughs> that's the honest truth it was on a poor time it was what monday nights no it was on wednesday nights at seven but it was a summer um, it was wednesday, wednesday yeah, nights at, at the eight. end of may yeah. yeah you know it was a summer replacement show and i right now we're looking to do another show that i can't really talk much about because we're just sort of in development for it but i think that you know it was a great platform for me and you know i do all the morning shows now and michael and kelly and rachel ray who's wonderful and the talk and i, I love working with, with them over there but, um, you know, right now we're just looking for other things. And, you know, the trends of reality TV change a lot. So it's like, you know, expert shows tend to go in and out and they want different formats and formulas. So we're just thinking about how to make something a little bit more current and keep it relevant and keep it classy and keep it with the idea that we want to help owners and keep people knowledgeable about what they do with their dogs. And so we're just thinking on interesting spins on how to do that. And, uh, we're all in negotiations right now and they take forever, to be honest. So. <laughs> yes, I've been involved. Can you tell me if it's still with CBS? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. We're not at the point where we're locking a deal with a specific network. We're more in the sort of conceptual phase of things and, and the pre-production of things. A lot of times with shows like this, a lot of stuff has to be produced on the on the front end before it's even considered by a network. They like to see a lot of meat up front to know that to know what they're serving. You know? Yes, I've been on that end as a creative producer, but. If you move down, you um, on the webpage, you'll see that you were also just on Rachel Ray. And I didn't see the show, but I heard there's a video here, and you brought recipes. Did you two cook? No, I didn't bring recipes. <laughs> I had read somewhere that you had brought some dog recipes. Oh, no, 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 no. I think you might have read on my website. I think I said something tongue-in-cheek that Rachel has given. I was working with the Jonas family from the Jonas Brothers, and she says Rachel has given them some recipes, but Justin serves up a new recipe on how to help oh, their dogs. I, I, think, it, I it. think it was something. You didn't get my humor bomb? No, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a great experience. I loved working on that show. A lot of times those morning shows can be really, really tough for me because it's, you know, you're working with live animals. It is a daunting, daunting environment for them between the lights and the cameras in a studio and it's just literally sitting right in front of you and there's hundreds of people there screaming and, you know, the dogs can get, they expect a lot from the animals and you're really working very quickly and in the moment. So a lot of times I get very, very daunted by those things, but this experience was probably one of the best ones I've had so far, and I think Rachel's just excellent, and she's a pitbull lover, and so am I. So we got along really well, and I really loved uh, the Jonas family. They were great. The dogs were adorable. And we, you know, we started watching those guys when we're not on camera as well, so it was nice. I know Cuba was recently on Good Morning America, and it was like, okay, we're shooting inside, outside, inside, outside. It was like, where do you want it's us to go? It's unbelievable, right? <laughs> I was surprised right. at how unorganized it really was. 
you know, it really is. It's like a variety show that it's really happening like live and in the moment. And so many things just change on a dime. Like a lot of times I've been on shows where I've planned eight minute segments, which takes a while to actually plan these segments out to have everything you need. And I did like an eight minute segment. They cut it down to one minute, which is incredibly frustrating. And then this segment is going to be three minutes and they asked me to expand it to eight. So a lot of times you just have to be able to think on the fly. And sometimes it's a disappointment and sometimes it's phenomenal. So this one was a phenomenal experience. And we had one recently, it was supposed to be a seven-minute segment, and it turned out to be 14. We didn't know about it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to fill the time? Yeah, fortunately. Well, you know how to talk, so that's good. <laughs> you got to know how to stick. I know. I, need, I should become a comic, huh? Anyway, let's yeah. look at some of your photos. The first photo is Chiquita and Pacino, which are your two. And yeah. since this is a pet fashion show, why have I never seen them on the runway? Ooh, you know why? Because they're not up for adoption. Oh, uh, no. Well, yeah, a lot, yeah, actually, this year it is going to be all adoption in the New York Pet Yeah, because show. whenever I do those things, it's sort of like a, you always want to focus on the dogs that are up for adoption. Right. Chiquita and Pacino, they get enough, they get enough spotlight. You That's know what I mean? Sure. They, and they want to remain humble. But we dress them up for Halloween. We dress them up. We put the Giants offensive line. We have like a me and my ex-girlfriend, Erin, who works for Funny for Friday as well in the ASPCA. We have like about seven pit bulls all together now, including Misty, who is, uh, you know, the Misty Journey dog, the one of the famous rescue that is used as a bait dog. And then, you know, right. her face was sewn back together. So we dress them up as a giant defensive line on Halloween. They all wear jerseys and walk in a line. If you get a chance, send me a photo. I'll put it on Paul Vogue of them dressed up for Halloween. I'll find one. She's not as good as I am about felling over the photos, to use my Yiddish. Speaking of two dogs, I know you're working now with Bacon and Eggs, who are two dogs. Ah, yeah, they're awesome. They are. Bacon and Eggs are two little Dachshunds who live in our neighborhood who were completely unruly on walks. Let me just say, like, the second a leaf blows down the block, they're both barking like crazy and setting each other off. And their owners were so great. They were just incredibly, they were just motivated to get the problem solved. And we just worked together. We did one basic session that we split into two parts. Some of the redirection in the house around noises and doorbells, which I get called for, you know, nine times a day. And then just their reactivity to other dogs. So we started walk. I said, you know, we started walking the dogs together in the neighborhood with my dogs who are very stable. And I was just so impressed with how quickly they were able to really corral these two. And the dogs are so much happier as a result. Because when they're doing that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, the dogs feel like they're in a position where they need to either pet the owners or they need to, you know, sort of guard their pack if you want. And it's like, you know, they're burdened by that. So we always want to drive and let the dog ride shotgun so they're a little bit, they don't have to be Is it more difficult for two dogs? Just relax. If you have two dogs, does one become the motivator of the other one misbehaving or whatever? When you have two dogs or you're saying my dog? My no, dog. When, you, when you do, when most people have two dogs. Yeah. You know what, what happens is when one, a lot of times one dog is, one has an issue a lot, the other one doesn't. But when both have a similar issue, what you'll find is one is triggering the other and then the other one's just responding. And then the people just get into this downward spiral where they can't even, it's like a shoelace knot. They can't even tell where it begins and where it ends. And then you kind of step in and you separate the two and you work with one individually and then the other individually. Then you teach the owner to work with one individually, then the other individually. Then you work with the group dynamics. So you really have to work in three parts. Starting off when you're like both working with both dogs at the same time, especially with two different owners, when you have a couple, so it's a couple, two people, and two dogs, look at how many different dynamics you have. So you want to work each person with each one dog, each person with the other dog, and then everybody all together. And so you can do that, you know, you don't, it doesn't, it's not as lengthy as it sounds. You can do that in a few hours, but you really want to break it up and see where the actual bug in the system is. Yeah, Brandon mentioned to me that you asked them when when the doorbell rings, where would you like bacon and eggs to do? And they both gave you different answers. 
right. Well, oh, they, you know, that's, a, that's an exercise I do with people. Whenever they have a problem, I say, all right, what do you expect the dog to do in this time? And a lot of times you get these vague answers that go on forever. And it seems like I'm teasing the people. They'll say something like, well, uh, you know, maybe go over there or we, we want some of, or not far for this or that. I go, okay. And I'll ask them again and again and again. And sometimes it'll take literally up to five minutes until I get a clear answer that I often have to coach them to. And they feel a little embarrassed. And I say, my point, I'm not doing this because you want to spot or embarrassing. You're giving you this example of if you can't answer me clearly, it means you're not clear in your mind. How do you think this dog is able to follow a clear message? And a lot of times the chaos that you're experiencing it's just coming from a lack of your own decision-making of what you expect this dog to do. And then once you make that decision, I'm going to show you exactly how to communicate that to the animal. So they love that because it's such an aha moment. They're like, oh, my God, we just never explain what we want them to do. And sometimes on the front end of me asking those questions, it seems really disempowering because it's like, oh, we don't know anything. And I'm like, no, 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 look at it with a sense of power. It's like you just haven't made a, made a decision yet. So your dogs aren't crazy. They're not acting out terribly. They're sort of acting in, in accordance with the fact that they're not given any instruction. But once you do apply this instruction, look how easily it's going to go for you. So it, they end up feeling very empowered at the end. Not the way I want it to go. I spoke to them after the first session and they were very pleased. So We only did good. one. I was going to do, you know, we only did one. And what I did was because they're neighbors and they live right around the corner, I always want to see people do well. I was like, you know, just call me up when you're walking the dogs and we'll walk them together. And we did that a few times and it ended up just working very, very quickly for them. So He's in Europe for the month of October, so. Yeah, but Chris was around. He was, yeah, he was Chris very. Was okay, nice well, I guess we've ran a little overtime today, which is no problem. And I was going to ask you about um, any upcoming news, but you already told us you have something in the works, which you really can't talk about yet. Any other projects? Uh, well, no, I have, I have funding for Fido. I have the TV show that I'm working on that, believe me, as soon as I have something formal to send out, I will send it out quickly. And then I have my book, which is coming out. It's called The Language of Dogs, and we're finishing editing it right now. We're finishing doing all the photo shoots for it right now, but that's really exciting. And I'll be posting all that information will be on the Language of Dogs blog, which you can just find on the website, and there's always updates there. I do little training videos and things like that. And I'm very active on Twitter with people where if they want to do, they follow me on I am Justin Silver or uh, the language of dogs. I do a lot of Q&A with people and try to answer their questions and, and give them little big dog tips and personal stuff or whatever. So I try to stay as active as possible and you'll always be able to find some news that way. Yeah, for our listeners, be sure you um, go to this website. I mean, it's really, as you said, there's training videos, there's the blogs are there. Um, also, you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Well, Very cool. thank you, Justin. It's been great. Bob. And when's your book going to be out? Before Christmas? No, it's going to come out, I think, in the spring of next year. We'll do another show when the book comes out. I would love to. I would love to do that. I had a really great time talking to you, and I love, I love Cuba, so we'll okay, definitely great. do that. Thanks for joining us today. I'll see you in the neighborhood with my phone tonight here. <laughs> <laughs> we would also like to thank the listeners for joining us today and thank the producers of our talk show. And don't forget, Caroline's November 12th. I will be sitting in the center right behind the first row of 10 tables of 10. So stop oh, by. Oh, you got these fancy seats. Yeah. I, the Havanese <laughs> <the> seats. <laughs> I think I forgot what they were called. Great Danes. Anyway, You're in the Great Danes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll even get Justin to take us out for a drink afterwards or go to the after party. Ha, ha, ha. Have a good one, everyone. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.